let's be real. Lawsuits are no fun, but with Paulson and Nace, at least they are a little easier. With two DC-born partners, Paulson and Nace will fight for you the way only a Washingtonian could. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, wrongful death, and other complex injury cases involving negligence. So if you have been hurt or lost a loved one because of someone else's mistake or negligence, call Paulson and Nace for a no-obligation consultation. Visit www.paulsonandnace.com or call 202-463-1999. Today on CityCast DC, big changes could be on the horizon for how we get around in DC. WMATA just announced they'll be unveiling a new upgraded bus fleet this fall, and Metro is considering its largest expansion since the announcement of the Silver Line. Jordan Pascal, WAMU's transportation reporter, has been following the story and shares a vision for DC's transportation future. Today's Monday, July 31st. I'm Bridget Todd, and here's what DC is talking about. Jordan, Metro is considering its largest expansion since the announcement of the Silver Line. What are some of the different proposals being put forth? There's so many. (laughs) Too many, maybe. There's six different options, and the idea is there's going to be maybe some big rail expansions, and then there's some ideas that cost way less money, like, you know, adding new bus lines and and, uh, commuter buses and that sort of thing. So the one everyone really wants to talk about is the rail expansions. And so uh, there's basically four of these One of the most popular that has been talked about is the Blue Line Loop. And so that would go basically starting from Roslyn. It would go through Georgetown and West End and kind of go along M Street to uh, Union Station and then head south through really growing areas like Buzzard Point and the new renovated St. Elizabeth Campus uh, in Ward 8 there and then down to National Harbor with the casino and development and then back over to Virginia at Huntington. So... That's the big one, the one that most achieves Metro's goals. There's some other ones like breaking off the Silver Line and like sending it up through still same kind of path through D.C., Georgetown to Union Station, but then hitting like Ivy City and Port Towns and then like heading up to like College Park and Greenbelt. So various proposals, but most of them go through Prince George's County, what they call equity areas, you know, people that are underserved by transit, maybe lower income, that sort of thing. So yeah, lots lots on the table. Having lived in D.C. for a long time, I hear a lot of proposals or like, you know, yeah. that we, we'll, we'll be waiting for a new metro line that's been confirmed for like many, many years. Purple Line's a great example. Yeah. Are these things that people should really be expecting to come to fruition or is it just sort of like wait and see, wait and see, wait and see, and then it's 10 years later? Yeah, you're right. I mean, like the Purple Line is a great example. We hear a delay on that, you know, every couple months, it seems like. Silver Line was also one of those things that like, oh, it's going to open, it's going to open. Same with Potomac Yard, like all of these big major infrastructure projects, they take time, they take money, inevitably, they're complicated projects. So they do often get delayed. So you know, I'm 35 now and I'm thinking, you know, I'll probably be 55 or so, you know, <laughs> if this ever opens, um, you know, they could accelerate it to like maybe 10 years or something like that. But funding takes a lot. Development takes a lot. Building takes a lot. So we're, we're not the fastest at building transit. Let's put it that way. Yeah. When I first moved back to the D.C. area, 
I think I was an undergrad because I was looking at housing to go to grad school. And I remember seeing purple line, greener future signs in yards when I was an undergraduate in college. And here I am, like many, many, many years later. If you're fantasizing about new roots, which of these, if any, really scratch that itch for you? Like, which do you actually want to see? Oh, I don't know. I mean, it's it's the sort of thing that it's hard to picture, you know, and I think a lot of people think of this through their own lens of, you know, where they live, where they want to go, all that sort of thing. And I think it's so hard to think 10, 15, 20 years, you know, who knows what part of the region you might be living in or, you know, that sort of thing. But I, I, I can see a lot of utility in a lot of these places. My fiance works in West End. Their office is really excited about seeing that dot on the map. Georgetown has long been a place that uh, a lot of people want to get to by a train, but can't. Ivy City is a growing area. Buzzard Point's a growing area. National Harbor, same thing. So, I mean, really any of these have their ups and downs. I I could see some added connectivity and some different options with, you know, having that blue line loop. So that means you could go kind of clockwise or counterclockwise. That would serve a lot of Virginians. It would serve a lot of Marylanders. It would serve a lot of DC folks. So I think that blue line loop is kind of the most intriguing just uh, about, you know, where it goes and who it serves. But, you know, at the same time, we know that when transit comes into new areas, um, it kind of changes neighborhoods and stuff too. So I could understand if there's some concern from folks that are a little concerned about what, what happens when Metro comes to their neighborhood. Let's talk about that. Like, what are some of the effects these new lines could have on Metro? You know, a great example is just how much development goes on around Metro. A big apartment complex was just approved uh, for like Tacoma, which this was a station that was opened not all that long ago, 20, 30 years ago, but it's now being built up around. I mean, you've got brand new apartments, you've got new bars and restaurants, all that kind of stuff, and and good amenities. Like that, that part is exciting, but it, it's more expensive to live near Metro. It's a great amenity and access wise, just like we see, you know, new highways or different things go in. Transportation is kind of what connects and binds a region together. And so it brings a lot of pluses and minuses. David, thanks for chatting with me. So like you and I both have cars in the DC metro area and sometimes they're great, but sometimes they can be a hassle. And I heard you had car issues, man. Yes, my car like me is old and falling apart. (laughs) And so I wanted to get it fixed. But one of the truly unpleasant tasks I find in the world is getting your car fixed because you have to take it usually somewhere extremely distant, extremely inconvenient, arrange some alternate form of transportation. And so I heard about Rota, rota rota.com. And I went on the rota.com website and they will come and pick your car up, take it from you, and then do the work and bring it back to you. And so I made an appointment on Roto, which was easy as pie, beautiful user interface um, for the work that I wanted done. The valet showed up at around 10 o'clock at my house as exactly on time, very easy, just handed him my keys. He drove off with my car. About an hour later, April called me She said, here are some things that we found with your car in addition to what you want to do. She sent me videos that Michael- Wait, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a car nerd, so I like want to know the nitty gritty of what's happening because I I don't know stuff. A million percent. They sent me this video. There was a particular belt that was, had broken and they sent me a video of it and they sent me a list of sort of, here are the things that were recommended. Here are the things that seemed urgent to fix and I could choose what I wanted to fix and sent that back to them, which took me like three minutes. Michael, the technician, fixed it. They then texted me and said, oh, your car's on the way back. My car was back 
in front of my house at 2.30. I'd given it to them at 10. It was back in front of my house that afternoon. Also, note, the valet did a much better job parking in front of my house than I do. (laughs) Don't they always? So much closer to the curb. And it was an incredibly pleasant, super easy experience. And they were very trustworthy. They were clear about what they were going to fix. And it was incredibly convenient. Yeah. So this, like, seems like a dream. Uh, I have used them before, but it's been a bit. Would you use them again for something like this? I would use Rhoda again in a second. I would use Rhoda. And they have a discount for us, too, for CityCast listeners. So if you go to Rhoda.com, they have the discount code CityCast20, and you get 20% off. Sweet. Uh, Plus, David, thank you so much for talking with me. Again, CityCast listeners, you get 20% off off any Rhoda service, up to $100, using the code CityCast20. So go to Rhoda.com. That's R-O-D-A.com. Book your appointment. When was the last time you went to the theater? Well, we have a new show for you to check out. The Gala Theater in Columbia Heights is showing the political musical comedy Museum in the Closet, Avida's Return, which follows Argentine icon Eva Perón to the afterlife as her preserved corpse ignites political scandals, clandestine affairs, and mysterious murders. The show is full of samba, reggae, and tango that will have you tapping your feet nonstop. The show is in Spanish with English surtitles and will run from May 9th through June 9th. Get your tickets now at galatheater.org or call 202-234-7174. So this is all coming at a time where we're approaching, or Metro is approaching, the $750 million fiscal cliff. What are some of the Metro leaders saying about this when they're looking at these possible expansions? And why are they having this conversation now? I've seen a ton of comments from people saying, OK, I thought they were broke. What's up? Now they want to spend, you know, $35, 40000000000 billion on something. So right now, I think it is kind of a lot of like back and forth of exactly your question. Why? Why now? Um, and so the way that Metro has explained their position on this is that there's a few things going on here. One, that their current budget challenge is an operational budget challenge. So Metro has two pots of money, an operations budget and a capital budget. And those big kind of infrastructure projects, those maintenance projects, that comes out of the capital budget. So they're saying two separate pots of money for now. The other thing that they're saying is that this is a generational type investment. In the here and now, like the main problem is money, but we're talking 10, 20 years. So, you know, they're assuming they're going to get that figured out and they basically need to kind of keep planning towards the future because they can't be stagnant because the region isn't stagnant and they want to grow as the region grows. So Metro's leaders met behind closed doors um, with state officials from Maryland and Virginia. Do you know what came of those talks or can you tell us what came of those talks? Yeah. So this was like an annual retreat of the Council of Governments, which is basically all the regions, you know, elected leaders in like College Park to Gaithersburg to Prince William County to D.C. So it's kind of a who's who of elected leaders from around the region. So one of the main topics that they talked about was uh, Metro's funding issue and, and how to fund the operational issue. It was closed press, so we couldn't attend. Everyone that I've kind of poked around a little bit, it's like, oh, you you know, productive conversations, like got the ball rolling sort of thing, but not exactly sure. They didn't solve the $750 million <laughs> In fraud. that one retreat, they didn't solve it. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Like how lazy, like you can't get it done in a four hour meeting or whatever it is. But anyways, first step of many. So looking into your transportation expert, Crystal Ball, 
Do you think any of these expansions will actually happen? Like, will I be on one of these expansion lines sometime soon? I think it has to in some ways. I mean, the fundamental reason that they are dealing with this in the first place is because you've got the blue, orange and silver lines all going through the same tracks in downtown D.C., going through the same tunnel from Roslyn to Foggy Bottom. And so that's the whole impetus for this, is that they want to basically fix that problem. And the way that you do that is by creating a separate tunnel, separating some of these lines so you can fit more people through. Granted, right now, we don't have the orange crush, as some people call it, back pre-pandemic when, you know, you were in tight crush load in a (laughs) orange line train because it's you know so busy but you know metro expects that to return at some point and so they are kind of figuring this out in the future so in order to fix that problem yeah they're gonna have to build something whether they go as cheap as you know just adding a lot more commuter buses or as expensive as building that whole new line like they're saying this is a problem and it needs to be fixed. So there's going to be, you know, a public engagement process over the next couple months and they hope to decide by the end of the year. During that public engagement process, how can folks listening submit input on this? Yeah, there's a survey out right now. Um, if you Google blue, orange, silver study metro, um, it's probably the first page that comes up. And yeah, there's a survey right now. There's a couple kind of hybrid public meetings over the next couple weeks. And so what Metro has basically said is like, these are the six options that we're looking at. We're not kind of coming up with new ideas or changing these ideas. It's like, pick your favorite, you know, you know, obviously planners and engineers and folks that know what they're doing have put a lot of work into this, but now they're kind of curious. Okay. Well, what does the public want to see? And and they've done a little bit of that before, but they want to get more input. So we'll include that link that you just mentioned to submit input in our show notes. Um, I guess one of my last questions is like, say some of these actually go through, how might it transform the way that Metro works for us, the folks who ride it? It means a lot more uh, trains, depending on which line they pull out. They've looked at pulling out blue, they've looked at pulling out silver. But I mean, it could mean a lot more east-west trains for Virginia to Maryland. It can mean a lot more connectivity. One of the kind of highlights of this is, you know, not only are you building a dozen plus new stations, you're also getting new connection points. So they're looking at that Farragut North, Farragut West, another Farragut station. So you'd have kind of the super hub of Farragut stations where you could transfer among all those lines. Union Station would have another line that you could connect with. So you wouldn't just have to take red to Union Station and have another option. And so it, it really creates a lot more connections and more places that you can go, which I think a lot of people value that you can get where you want to go on Metro. Does it mean less driving? That's a good question. I mean, that's the goal is to get more people off the road, whether that happens. You know, there's so many factors that go into that. How many more highway miles they build, how well Metro operates, what people's work habits are. There's so much that goes into that. But that that is the goal. You know, in the end is, you know, we've got a climate crisis. One of the best ways to reduce, you know, our personal footprint is uh, transportation and driving. So that's the goal. Jordan, thank you so much for being here. I'll see you on Metro, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see you there. (laughs) Thanks, Bridget. Before you go, here's some quick news. The staff of Solid State Books voted to ratify their first union contract. They are the second bookstore in D.C., following politics and prose, to ratify a collective bargaining agreement. After just 17 days of negotiations, owners and employees agreed upon a three-year contract that includes cost-of-living wages and strong anti-discrimination protections. Also, 
Residents across D.C. are on high alert over the steep incline in property crimes. They're at the highest point since 2017. Dozens of D.C. retailers are getting robbed, sometimes by organized theft rings. You might notice additional security being added and more items under lock and key at stores like CVS. And finally, fewer teachers are resigning in D.C. area schools this year. During the 2021-2022 school year, 452 teachers left their positions at D.C. public schools. This year, the number dropped to 314. School officials say that it's due to a compensation agreement with the Washington Teachers Union and lower principal turnover. That's all for today here on CityCast DC. If you enjoyed the show, why not share it with the DC transportation nerd in your life? You can rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with even more news from around the city. Talk to you then.